This is most certainly true. Jesus Christ is the light of the world. He shines the light of his love into dark places, our world, our lives, our hearts. And his light chases away the darkness of sin and makes us to shine with his glory. And through his saving work, we will rise and shine to live forever in the glory of heaven. Behold the splendor of Jesus' love in this sermon recently delivered at Grace. The Holy Gospel, Luke's Gospel, chapter 6, it is the basis for the sermon today. Jesus said, But to you who are listening, I say, Love your enemies, do good to those who hate you, bless those who curse you, pray for those who mistreat you. If someone slaps you on one cheek, turn to them the other also. If someone takes your coat, do not withhold your shirt from them. Give to everyone who asks you, and if anyone takes what belongs to you, do not demand it back. But do to others as you would have them do to you. If you love those who love you, what credit is that to you? Even sinners love those who love them. And if you do good to those who are good to you, what credit is that to you? Even sinners do that. And if you lend to those from whom you expect repayment, what credit is that to you? Even sinners lend to sinners expecting to be repaid in full. But love your enemies. Do good to them and lend to them without expecting to get anything back. Then your reward will be great. And you will be children of the Most High because he is kind to the ungrateful and wicked. Be merciful, just as your Father is merciful. Do not judge, and you will not be judged. Do not condemn, and you will not be condemned. Forgive, and you will be forgiven. Give, and it will be given to you. A good measure, pressed down, shaken together, and running over will be poured into your lap, for with the measure you use, it will be measured to you. What's love got to do with it? What to do with it? What's love but a second-hand emotion? Tina Turner, 1984. She was singing about very likely a relationship, but those who heard that song way back when sensed that whatever love is, we could sure use more of it. If only there was more love, our world wouldn't be in such bad shape. Look how people treat one another during differing, having differing opinions regarding pandemic mitigation. If only there was more love in our land. So how do we get a handle on this love business and get a little more love in our lives? Why not go to the source? The Bible says God is Love. And the Savior himself tells us in today's gospel account the answer to that question. What's love got to do with it? An artist was searching for a model for a painting he wanted to execute regarding the story that Jesus told about a lost son. 
One day he encountered a beggar in the street and he asked, Would you be willing to pose for the painting? The beggar agreed. At the appointed time, the beggar showed up, well-shaven and all dressed up. The artist asked, well, who are you? Well, I'm the beggar. I thought I better get cleaned up if you're going to do my painting. But now I can't use you, the artist said. God works in a similar way, but with an opposite demand. I want to paint you into the mural of my mansions, but only picture-perfect people will do. We can try to clean up our act, but God will say, that's not good enough. If you want to hang out with me, you have to have all of your sins erased from my sight. I can't use you. Without God doing something to us and in us, we would remain beggars, loveless, unlovable. But look what God did. When Adam and Eve rebelled against God in the Garden of Eden, he should have zapped them with lightning bolts, but he didn't. He promised a Savior who would undo the damage they had caused. Abraham was known as the father of believers, but didn't trust that God would protect him and his wife when traveling in a foreign country. God should have whacked him upside the head, but he didn't. Instead, God forgave Abraham and renewed his promise to send a Savior into the world through Abraham's family. Moses, a whining, sniveling ex-convict, made excuses, tried to excuse his way out of following God's call to serve him. God should have shot flames out of that flaming shrub and torched Moses right on the spot, but he didn't. Instead, God encouraged, equipped, and empowered Moses for service. Elijah was the leading prophet of his day, the prophet of God. But when things got tough, he ran away and prayed to die. God should have let him starve in the wilderness, but he didn't. Instead, he refreshed Elijah and reinforced his ministry. You can page through all of the Holy Scriptures, and time and time again, you will see breathtaking demonstrations of God's unexpected and undeserved love. A 20th century novelist, Pearl Buck once wrote, Love cannot be forced. It cannot be coaxed or teased. It comes out of heaven unasked, unsought, which is exactly what Jesus means when he said God is kind to the ungrateful and the wicked. His love is a giving love. And there's so much more. Not only does God's love pour out to those who are undeserving, he pours his love out to those who desperately need it. Sometime reread Psalm 32 and Psalm 51 and recall how King David was so depressed and despairing when he had his sin slapped right back in his face. God covered over David's sin, passed over it, picked him up, dusted him off. Remember what God did for the three men who were dumped into the fiery furnace because they would not bow down in allegiance to anyone or anything except the true God. They came out alive and didn't even smell like smoke. And recall what God did 
for Daniel, who was slated to be lunch meat for lions. God locked the lion's jaws and lifted Daniel out of that lion's den. That's what Jesus means when he said, Your father is merciful. His love is not only for the undeserving, but it's also a rescuing love. And the best demonstration of that kindness and mercy from God, love to those who are undeserving, love to those who are despairing, came on a blood-stained hill outside of Jerusalem. And the proof is at an empty grave near that cross. When Jesus teaches us about love, he begins at the beginning. God's love for us comes first. His love comes to us from the outside. And we have clear evidence of that every time there's a baptism, every time we partake of the Lord's Supper. What does a little baby bring to the font? Nothing but a sinful nature. What do we bring to the Lord's table when we partake of his Holy Supper? Nothing but our sin. But God is kind to the ungrateful and the wicked. Your Father is merciful. What's love got to do with it? What's love got to do with our connection with God? God's love to us is everything. Hang on, kids. I'm going to toss out a big word. Here it is. Alchemy. Can you say that with me? Alchemy. Ready? Alchemy. There's grown-ups who aren't even sure what that is. So I'll tell you. For centuries and centuries, going all the way back to ancient Egypt, 2,300 years ago, people have tried to turn crummy, cheap metal into gold. Can't happen. Won't happen. Any scientist, even the most brilliant scientist, will fail trying to turn some old piece of metal into gold. But God can and does work a miraculous change. I can't tell you how many times that I've explained to people who maybe haven't heard it or didn't understand it how God pours out his incredible love so that we're declared innocent of all charges against us. And then people come back and say to me, do you mean to say, Pastor, that all of my sins are paid for? Yes. You mean to tell me that all the bad that I've done in the past, all the bad I'll do in the future, has already been forgiven? Yes. And then they come back and say to me, well, what's to prevent me from living like a slob and sinning like crazy? In one tiny little phrase, the Lord Jesus, in this gospel account in Luke 6, answers that question. He says, you are children of the Most High. God not only changed our status, he changed us. His love comes flying from outside into us and stirs things up inside so that he not only covers our sins, but changes us to be different. Now, living inside of us is not merely an old Adam or an old Eve, but now we also have a new Adam and a new Eve primed and pumped up to serve God. A 19th century priest and professor named Charles Kingley once said, I do not merely want to possess a faith. I want a faith that possesses me. And that's what Jesus is teaching us here in this gospel account. 
that God's love first comes to us from the outside, then changes us on the inside so that we can grasp how wonderful that is and who we now are in him, in Christ Jesus. What's love got to do with it, with our core values and who we are? Well, God's love first to us and then in us is everything. If you invited someone to come to worship and told that person that they would be hearing a sermon about love, do you think people would be interested in coming if they heard that there would be a sermon about loving others more? I think there would actually be people who would be interested to hear a message about love because most people are interested in getting more love in their lives, both receiving love and giving love. Of course, you know you can go to the library and check out a ton of books on relationships. You can go to a seminar or two, or as most people today would do, you can Google love into your search engine. You'd come up with millions of articles about what that is and what it does. And if you would study all those books or go to those seminars and read those articles from the Internet, you would very likely know more about what love is, what makes relationships go, about communication and listening and how to get along with others. And you very likely would be able to receive love and give love better. You would have improved relationships and you would have a very nice and pleasant life. But if that's all... If that's all you knew about love, when you die, you're going to go to hell. God's love is so much more. His love is absolutely unique. His love is the power that gets us to the source of our loving others. It's his eternal love for us. That super special, super unique love from God changes us on the inside and then flows out from us, kind of like a styrofoam cup that's got needle holes poked in the side. You pour water into it, it's going to leak water out all over the place. God keeps pouring his forgiving love into us so that we can leak it out all over the place. But a word of caution. In this gospel account, the Lord Jesus talks about turning the other cheek. And I have to tell you that that statement of Jesus has been misused. I've talked with people in my office who've said, Pastor, I am in an abusive relationship. And it's been going on for some time. But of course, I have to stay in that relationship, right? And just take it. I have to turn the other cheek, right? Well, no, because there's plenty of other Bible passages in the Holy Scripture that indicate God wants us to use our noodle and take care of the temple of the Holy Spirit, the body he's given us. To say that we have to stay in an abusive relationship is taking Jesus' words here out of context. To do unto others as we would have them do to us includes showing enough love that we would make it clear to people who are abusive and sinful in their behavior that what they are doing not only harms us but harms their relationship with God and is not what God would want. Yes, we announce blanket forgiveness for all sins to all people, but when it comes to specific announcement of forgiveness to someone, that person, first of all, knows, needs to know that they need it. And that's the background for our understanding 
When Jesus says, love your enemies, pray for those who mistreat you, do to others as you would have them do to you. Don't judge and you will not be judged. Do not condemn and you will not be condemned. Forgive and you will be forgiven. Give and it will be given to you. A good measure, pressed down, shaken together, and running over with, will be poured into your lap. For with the measure you use, it will be measured to you. God fills us with his love so we can leak it out all over the place. There was a 19th century book publisher by the name of George Merriman who wrote, wrote these words, When your own burden is heaviest, you can always lighten a little some other burden. At the times when you cannot see God, there is still open to you this sacred possibility to show God. For it is the love and kindness of human hearts through which the divine reality comes home to people. Let this thought then stay with you. There may be times when you cannot find help, but there is not a time when you cannot give help. That kind of forgiving love makes a difference in people's lives. What's love got to do with it? What's love got to do with our connecting with other people? God's love first to us and then in us and then flowing from us is everything. The word love occurs 269 times in the English translation of my New Testament Bible. 53% of the time it's a verb, which indicates to me and I hope to you that love isn't so much an emotion as it is an action and primarily God's action. What's love got to do with how we are connected to God and to each other? I think the Apostle John says it so well in his first letter. This is love. Not that we loved God, but that he loved us and sent his son as the atoning, the paying sacrifice for our sins. Dear friends, since God so loved us, we also ought to love one another. Thanks for listening. To learn more about God's grace, or to support the work that we do to proclaim the love of Jesus in Milwaukee and around the world, visit www.gracedowntown.org. This grace is for you. The Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face shine on you and be gracious to you. The Lord look on you with favor and give you peace.